Welcome to the PCTR Podcast. I'm Robbie Itterberg, Senior Pastor. I want to thank you for listening today. We hope that you hear from God and that this podcast encourages you in your faith journey. You can connect with us on social at facebook.com slash PCTRNJ or our Instagram handle, PCTRNJ. Or you can find more information or resources at PCTR.org. Have a great day. Peace. Well, this morning... We are in the last sermon in our sermon series that we call Full Life. This sermon series has come to us from John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So each week we've been asking ourselves, what are our lives full of? And examining an aspect of the life that Jesus came to give and are our lives full of that or are they full of all sorts of other things, counterfeits and substitutes that leave us feeling empty. If you missed any of them and you're interested in going back, you can find those on our YouTube channel, PCTRNJ or wherever you get podcasts. This morning, I have to tell you that I am not a good fisherman. Actually, I'm terrible. I can probably count on, the, the, on two hands. I thought it might have been one, but I think I'm being generous. It's two hands, the number of fish I have caught in my entire lifetime. And you might be thinking, well, maybe you've only gone a couple times. No, I have spent hours and hours and hours growing up in Colorado, fly fishing up and down creeks and rivers, standing on the side of a lake, mostly untangling my line from the bushes behind me. But I'm terrible. But my oldest son, Wesley, really enjoys fishing. And so when we went on vacation to Maine this summer, he really wanted to go fishing, and I thought it was a terrible idea. (laughs) But we chartered a fishing boat with a fishing captain, Captain Chris, and Captain Chris had grown up on the island where Acadia National Park is located. He had only been away for a few years to go to college. He had been back now as a captain of a fishing boat from this harbor for six or seven years at this point when we jumped on his boat. He knew all of the good spots. He had learned them from all of the locals that had come before him. He knew the right bait to put out, the right rigs to have. He knew all of it. And so he takes us out through the fog to this spot where apparently there was a drop-off underwater. And Liana, who is our almost nine-year-old, is the first one to drop a line in. And she drops her line in, and the, the line that had three hooks on it came back with three fish the first time. <laughs> Clearly, she does not get it from her father. <laughs> we stayed in that spot for a little bit, but Chris wasn't satisfied because there were cod in this bay all over the place, and we were just catching these little fish. So he says, let's move. And so we moved to another spot where he informs me that there's apparently some huge underwater mound, and what we're going to do is we're going to start on top of the mound, and we're going to drop our lines, and then they're just going to, we're going to drift, and as we do, the lines are going to follow the mound, and when they get to the bottom, the cod are going to be waiting right there for them. Okay. So we put our lines in, and actually we caught, and and including myself, I caught a 22-inch cod. And so I was thrilled. This is amazing. And now I am obviously an incredible fisherman, and I can take all of the credit for this. (laughs) No, I mean, this is ridiculous to make that claim, right? If I tried to do this on my own, it would have been a total disaster, right? I wouldn't have known where to go. I wouldn't have known what to put on the hooks. I wouldn't have known what kind of equipment to have. We wouldn't have caught a fish for the life of us. 
And see, in the course of, of experiencing and inviting people into full life, Jesus uses fishing as an analogy to talk about our job that we have as his followers, our vocation, our calling. He tells us that our job is to fish for people, meaning to share the full life that we have in Jesus Christ with other people, to show them how they can enter into it, invite them to follow Jesus and experience full life as well. This really is what discipleship is all about. But like me as a fisherman, when you hear that your primary calling as a follower of Jesus is to fish for people, you may feel like, you know what, I don't have any idea how to do that. And so we're going to jump in to Matthew chapter 4 and hopefully unpack this calling on our lives. And so you can follow along on the screen as we read from Matthew chapter 4. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe, severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and, and the region across the Jordan followed him. This is the word of the Lord. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and space. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you that through your word, you reveal to us more and more your plan, your purpose. Lord, will you give us the gift of being able to hear well and to respond so that we can receive and that we can share full life in Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So, I mean, this is an amazing story, isn't it? This incredible response of these men to the simple invitation of Jesus, come, follow me. Now, we read it in this context and we're just, we're blown away, appropriately so. But there's also a likelihood that Peter and Andrew already knew Jesus. In fact, in, in the book of John, he, they were already referred to as disciples of Jesus at a time that happened even prior to what we just read in Matthew chapter 4. If you go back to John chapter 1, we're told about this encounter between Andrew and Peter and Jesus where Jesus says, come, follow me. Sound familiar? And they did. And, and as they followed Jesus... They probably even drew in James and John, and they were witnesses to Jesus' first miracle where he turns barrels of water into wine at a wedding in Cana. And in John chapter 2, verse 11, we're told that Jesus, in this way, revealed his glory, and his disciples put their trust in him. They were already called disciples. They were already trusting in him. And for some reason, they went back to fishing. 
Now, we might be tempted to think, well, what an indictment on their faith, but I don't think so. I think it's more about the progress of their journey of discipleship than it is anything wrong with their faith. Because Jesus doesn't rebuke them in the passage that we read today, does he? No, instead he just comes with that simple invitation once again, come, follow me. But this time he adds that little part, and I will teach you to fish for people. Now this is a different invitation than it was in John chapter 1. In John 1, it was simply follow me. Come physically, follow me. Come check me out. Get to know me. See what I can do. And in the course of that, they come to believe. But now when Jesus sees them, he says, come follow me and I will teach you how to fish for people. See, he's making a clear distinction between their profession that they've gone back to and their vocation, their calling as a true follower of Jesus. He's saying it's time. It's a new season. It's time to leave your profession behind, your livelihood behind. Leave your family and all of the expectations that come from running the family business. I'm giving you a new job to fish for people. Now, this whole thing is a radical call to discipleship that we being so removed culturally from it can't fully understand because this was different even in Jesus' day. Typically, in Jesus' day, the rabbis were really just revered and those would-be disciples, followers of the rabbis, would come and they'd basically submit their resumes and say, hey, am I worthy to come sit at your feet and to learn from you? Well, there were a few would-be disciples of Jesus that tried to do the same thing. They came and said, we'll follow you. And Jesus says, yeah, no, you won't. That's my paraphrase. But he goes on to tell them, no, 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 you won't because the cost will be too high. I know that the demand on you is going to be too great and you won't want to follow through. And so instead, Jesus is very intentional. He's the one actively seeking out and identifying those who would be his disciples. In other words, he goes fishing. And as he's fishing, he's looking for people described by this acronym. I didn't make it up. There's this acronym, the F-A-T. Jesus is looking for fat people. Faithful, available, teachable. Faithful. And these men proved to be faithful, right? They, they proved that they would be faithful. Yeah, they had some crises along the way, but in the, in the big picture, they were loyal to Jesus and they were obedient to him to the best of their ability, though they, like us, were steeped in sin and doubt at times. They were available. That's what this passage most clearly tells us, doesn't it? It didn't matter at the, that they were walking away from everything. They were available to Jesus, whatever he wanted to do, however he wanted to do it. And they were teachable. The whole point was he was going to teach them how to fish for people. And so they're learning all along the way. And what we find out is that, yeah, they're a little slow on the uptake, which I'm actually really grateful for because I'm a little slow at times. So this gives me hope for me. So Jesus invites these F-A-T people to come to him on a journey of discipleship where in seasons and phases he invites them to go deeper and deeper and deeper. See, in John 1, Jesus was sensitive to the fact that they're probably not ready to leave everything in that moment and so invites them simply to come and see to follow him for a time, to begin to get to know him, and then learn that he is trustworthy and they can believe. In our passage today, Jesus is inviting them deeper. 
He's inviting them to a deeper relationship with him, to a deeper sense of calling, to a greater demand, higher cost, a higher calling to partner with him in the work that he's doing of fishing for people. And there's one commentator, Michael Wilkins, that wrote about this phenomenon. He said that the disciples are responding as much as they can to as much as they understand. See, that's the beauty of Jesus. He's always inviting us to respond as much as we can to as much as we understand. He's not inviting you to respond based on what somebody else understands. He's inviting you to respond to what has he revealed to you? What season of your journey are, he, are you in? See, this is good news for us because it doesn't matter where you are on this journey and process of discipleship. There's, already an, there's always another step that you can take. There's always a little further, a little deeper that you can go. Whether you haven't put your faith in Jesus at all and are just kind of curious, or if you've been walking with Jesus for many, many years, or if you're passionate and committed, Jesus is always inviting another step, a deeper step. And ultimately, there will be that deep step where he uses this fishing analogy and says, hey, you're going to become someone who fishes for people. And fishing is a great analogy in a lot of ways. It wasn't just because it was relatable to them. But fishing takes incredible patience and endurance, doesn't it? It's rare that you drop a line in the water and immediately fish jump onto it. I'm not sure Liana is ever going to enjoy fishing again because it's not going to happen like that. (laughs) But particularly in Jesus' day, the work of fishing was an arduous work. It was a hard work. It was a noble work, but one of the ways that they would fish is that they would go out in their boat and they would have these nets that were 20 or 25 feet in diameter that had weights all around the edge. And so one person would take this whole net and would have to heave it into the water. And as the weights would pull the edge of the net down, it created like this umbrella shape. And the hope was that the umbrella would come down over the top of some fish and there was a rope around the edge as well. And so they had to pull the rope tight, closing the net around the fish, and then they had to haul the whole thing up. I mean, this was intense, hard work. I mean, the reality is these guys were probably ripped. They didn't need to go to the gym. Because they would do this over and over. And Jesus is saying, hey, the work of making disciples, of fishing for people, is a hard work that takes endurance and patience and persistence. And here's the thing. Jesus is patiently, enduringly, and persistently pursuing you and inviting you to follow him as much as you can with as much as you understand about who he is. And eventually... He will tell you as a follower of Jesus that your vocation, your primary calling in life is to participate with him in fishing for people. And see, we can take a passage like this and so many other passages that we find in Scripture. And I think we can get really hung up, certainly I can get really hung up on, okay, what am I supposed to do? We get hung up on the job. And I think if we do that, we're missing actually that Jesus doesn't say, Go come fish for people. He says initially, come follow me. See, their primary loyalty was to Jesus, not to the job. It was to Jesus and a relationship with him before it was ever anything that they could do for him. And we do really well to remember that, that Jesus first wants you to be in relationship with him. And 
Out of the relationship will come the calling, will come the job. It's a byproduct of the relationship with him. And the interesting thing is that the come follow me is actually the means by which he teaches how to fish for people. Because following is really a very natural way for us to learn, isn't it? Everett is our youngest, and he is almost three. And he loves to be a helper. You know, I use that in air quotes because his help often involves a lot more work for me, right? If you've ever worked with a a young child, you know that. But he's got a white stool that he loves to drag around the house because he's not tall enough to get up to the counters. And so on Friday, it was time to do dishes. And he's, you know, insistent. He wants to help. And so he drags his white stool over and he climbs up right next to me. And we're getting in there. And of course, water is going everywhere. And, you know, and he's being such a great helper. He also loves to to mow the lawn with me. And so I'm out there on my lawn tractor and sometimes he just likes to ride on my lap. Other times he wants to push his bubble mower behind the lawn tractor and my head's like on a swivel so I don't run my child over with a lawnmower. We don't do that very often because my anxiety can't handle it. But he wants to follow me. In the process of following me all around, he's learning. He's learning responsibility. He's learning how to do things. It's the natural way that we learn And my job as the one teaching, discipling him into these things is to patiently, intentionally, enduringly invite him to follow as I'm doing the work. And that's what Jesus is doing with these disciples saying, come follow me. And just in following me, you're going to learn how to fish for people. And so as they followed him, what did they experience? What did they learn about? And we get the summary of it in verse 23 of what we just read. It said this, Jesus went throughout Galilee. In other words, Jesus went around. He, he, Galilee's like 2,800 square miles with 200 cities or something like that. And he went from city to city to city to city. I mean, in other words, in fishing, it doesn't really help just to stay in one spot and help the fish just come to you. You got to go to the good spots. And so he was moving all around and they were following him. And what, what was happening, he was, Jesus was teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. He's teaching, preaching, and healing. This is what they experienced as they followed him. He was teaching about the kingdom of God. And teaching means to explain the truth about something that people are kind of familiar with. You know, so like, like I, I know some about the, the rain cycle, right? Clouds, they fill up with the moisture and water comes down and, and the evaporation and all that thing. But Liana is really the expert and wants to make sure I understand the distinction between the types of clouds. And so she is teaching me about nimbus, cumulonimbus, stratus, and stratonimbus clouds. And it's really important that I know the distinction between them. Right? She's teaching me something I have some familiarity with, but she's helping me truly grasp the truth of it. To proclaim the kingdom of God is to, is to proclaim or preach the kingdom of God. I mean, is to proclaim something to those who are not really familiar with it. And what Matthew really shows us is that really no one was actually fully familiar with what the kingdom of God was about. And so Jesus is preaching about the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, it, he's about to really kind of explode their brains and ours in the next few chapters of Matthew. Because the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is this incredible teaching about the values of the kingdom of God. 
And we, we find in that that the values of the kingdom are, are upside down from the values of our world, that, that power is not what we understand it to be, that religion gets turned on its head, and that our attempts at perfection are always going to come up short and be inadequate. And what God wants for us is hearts and souls that are in a posture of humility, of dependence, of seeking his values of his kingdom. Values of mercy and justice and forgiveness that are so beyond the minimum standards that we typically settle for. To embrace the values of the king, Jesus himself. To repent, to turn away from this desire and this temptation and this tendency to be king and queen of our own lives. Because, let's get real, we like to be on top, right? King, queen, gets to call the shots. Gets to decide what's good and bad, what's right and wrong, how we spend our time, the way life is going to go. I mean, Simba had it right in The Lion King. He couldn't wait to be king because he had plans. And we got plans for our lives, right? But, but there's a, Jesus is preaching a good news about his kingdom. The good news is that you're not queen, that you're not king, that the true king is here. And his reign is good because it transforms everything. See, my reign in my life tends to seek to make me happy, to satisfy me. And, and at times, it does that at least for a little bit. But it seems like I become unsatisfied again, very quickly. See, but Jesus' reign satisfies not for a moment, but forever. Because his reign will right every wrong, will bring justice to every evil, will heal every wound, will bind every broken heart. Right? To proclaim the good news of the kingdom as we're fishing for people is to proclaim the hope of the king himself. Now, the problem with that is that it runs counter to the values of our world, doesn't it? Because one of the primary values of our world is that, no, 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 you are absolutely in charge of your life. Anybody who wants to tell you how to live or what seems to be right in your life is really just trying to have power over you. It's, it's an oppressive tendency. And so you, the thing that's going to truly set you free is for you to be king or queen over your life. That's the key to your happiness. But how often does being in charge of our lives work out? if we're honest about it. I mean, when we're in charge, we're also responsible for the outcome. And I don't know about you, but I have not been able to seem to make my life work the way I want it to. Make all sorts of plans that I'm going to follow through and execute on, and yet over and over again, they come up short of my lofty desire. I, I think about the person that I want to be, the habits that I want to have, and I can't seem to even embrace those and put those into practice in my own life. So the good news of the kingdom is that the king, the true king who made me, who knows me, is also the one who's in charge. And so I can be free of the burden of satisfying the deep longings of my soul <laughs> because he he will ultimately fulfill me in ways that I couldn't even imagine. See, that's what this whole series has been about. Full life in Jesus Christ is recognizing that the king knows what full life really is. And he wants us to have it and invites us into it because he wants to give it. 
And so we can't achieve it or grab it on our own and on our own terms, but it's being offered as a gift from the king. Now, as he's going around and he's teaching and he's proclaiming, in case there was any wonder or doubt among his disciples or among the people, did he have any authority to actually say what he was saying? Was there any credence to what he was saying, any validity? He then goes about healing every disease, every sickness, casting out every demon, those who are having seizures, those who are paralyzed. See, in his healing, he's saying, you know what, I'm not just talk. This is the real deal. That my reign brings true transformation. My reign is good. My reign will bring the healing that I promise. And he's inviting them to come and see that his kingdom of light is pushing out darkness, is overcoming, reversing the reality of sin and death that is part of our broken and fallen world. He's inviting his disciples to come and follow him as he does these things over and over and over. Remember, there's hundreds of cities. Do you think every time Jesus rolled into a new town, he rolled out new material? I, I can't imagine that he did. They didn't live in a Twitter culture or an internet world. And so this would have been new to the new town. And so I imagine the disciples heard the same thing over and over and over. They probably got to the point where they knew where the punchlines were. Right? They knew and could anticipate when the crowd was going to gasp because the thing Jesus was going to say next would blow their minds. And they couldn't understand. And all of this repetition is part of him preparing them to do it themselves. Remember, he said, come follow me and I'll teach you how to fish for people. Jesus was always intending them to follow him as they learned how to fish for people the way he did so that they could go and fish for people, inviting others to come follow them and learn how to fish for people who would then go out and have others who would follow them and learn to fish for people. This was ongoing. This was Jesus' strategy. His whole strategy You are God's strategy to extend his reign and his kingdom to people through the ends of the earth. I've told Jesus I think it's a bad idea many times because I'm not always faithful and available and teachable. But man, what an honor to say that our purpose is to participate with him in sharing full life with others who can share full life with others who will share full life with others who can fish for people. This is what discipling is all about. Who are you discipling? Who is it that you're intentionally inviting to come and follow you as you seek to follow Jesus that can learn from you what you know? And and you might be thinking, yeah, you know what, I... I can't do this. I don't know how to go fishing. <laughs> but see, that's what this series has been about too, is inviting you to learn what it is that you need to pass on to somebody else. Embrace the full life and share with somebody else what you know, what you have. Because Jesus has been preparing you to go deeper, to give your life away, to no longer just follow and believe, but instead to get involved and make disciples, to go fishing. Maybe you've been in a John 1 season for many, many years, content to simply believe, but Jesus might be inviting you now to come and fish for people. And maybe it looks like giving up your career path. Maybe it looks like giving up the plans that you thought you had in this season of life. Maybe. 
I certainly have known a number of people, a good friend of mine was very successful in business for many years. And after 20, 25 years in business, she heard Jesus say, come follow me. And so she left the business world. She went to seminary. She became a pastor. Now, believe me, I am not saying that we should, you should all go and become pastors. God knows we do not need that. But what I am suggesting is that maybe Jesus is inviting you to go deeper and to realize that your true and primary calling is to go fishing for people, to make disciples who will make disciples, to invite people into the full life in Jesus Christ so that they can invite others and they can invite others to give away and teach what you know, what you're familiar with, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of Jesus' reign in your life and how that's a good thing. And perhaps even to bring healing through you. And you might just now be going, yeah, not a chance. Yeah, but see, guess what? This same king has said, my spirit, I'm giving you my spirit to live within you so that the things you see me do, man, you're going to do even greater things than these. There is at any moment, it's not about you. It's about the king's power at work in you and through you to bring his reign and his proof of his authority, his power, his work in the world to show others that at any moment, he can bring restoration. At any moment, he can bring light in darkness. At any moment, he can bring hope into despair. And you are his strategy to do it. <laughs> to go fishing for people. And so who are you discipling? Who are you sharing that full life in Jesus Christ with that can share that full life with somebody else? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus to go fishing. To fish for us to persistently, patiently, enduringly come after us, to call us to himself, to go deeper and deeper and deeper. We thank you that it is a journey that you continue patiently with us on. Lord, will you give us the ears to hear your calling, the hearts, the will to respond, the courage to take the next step and the know-how, Lord, to teach what we know, to proclaim the goodness of your kingdom and your reign. And Lord, may we be available to you so that you could bring healing through us, the rule and reign of Jesus into our lives and into the lives of others, that together we may have full life. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>